0: Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babble's podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babble's podcast. I'm your host, Becca. <laughs> I was literally about to start doing my intro. <laughs> Okay, wow, that was a great way. I'm gonna leave that in there, honestly. Um, hi, my name's Becca. I'm the host of the podcast. Wow, this is a hot mess. I literally thought starting this podcast over, or when I had started the, or when I was doing the last podcast, I could tell I needed to take a break because my words just kept getting mixed up and my mouth was starting to get dry. And I took a break for a minute, and then I was like, okay, let's record part two, and it's already a hot mess. (laughs) But hopefully, you still want to listen to this podcast. I promise I have a ton of information in this one for you that you will want to hear about with understanding birth control and how it affects your body and other methods to do instead if you would like to. All right, let's get going because I don't want this one to be as long as the last one and I don't think it will be. So let's do a little recap of the last one. The last one I literally just talked about what hormones are involved with your menstrual cycle, what your menstrual cycle naturally looks like, what your menstrual cycle looks like when it's on birth control, and why you should consider not taking birth control, Um, and other ways to help fix your PMS... Issues that don't have to do with putting yourself on birth control. So little recap right there. Now, let's jump into this actual podcast. So we're going to start off with the side effects of the pill. I feel like most people know the major side effects. But again, like I had said in the last episode... When I was told to just go on birth control, I wasn't even told the side effects. So maybe you don't even know that there's side effects with birth control. So the major ones are developing polyovarian cysts. Now, these sound really scary. And they're not as scary as they seem, I promise. Um, Basically, this just happens naturally when you don't ovulate. And this is actually normal for normal menstruating women. It's just the reoccurrence of developing... Poly ovarian cysts can be an issue because you're consistently not ovulating. So, with regular menstruating women, they might have like that stressful month and they don't ovulate. They might still bleed, but they will naturally get their ovulation back on track next month. This is like really nice when it comes to your period. It's not a like one and done thing where you're kind of just like, oh, shoot, I like didn't ovulate this month. So like I messed up my body. No, what actually just happens is your body is nice enough to be like, "Okay, we're going to hit the reset button. It's not game over." So, just a little like comfort in knowing that. But you do develop these ovarian cysts or you could being on birth control. The next major one is developing cancer. There was actually a large study in 2017 where they discovered that Modern methods of birth control still carry the same risks of the high doses of the estrogen pill, um, which was the first birth control that was used. And they could tell that like it was developing cancer in certain people, but they still found that it was developed, even though they've modified the birth control pill, it still can have these effects. Now, the minor effects that most doctors don't talk about because they're like, oh, they're so minor. It's like, well, it's not a big deal, but actually it's coming out more and more that people are dealing with these things are things like depression, loss of sex drive, hair loss, weight gain, skin issues. These this is this is an issue. Like people are experiencing these symptoms and they don't realize that it might be caused by their birth control. For example, depression. There was a study on October 2016 with the association of hormonal contraceptive with depression and the study, the researchers found 1 million women over 13 years and they put these women and girls on hormonal birth control and they were more likely to be diagnosed with depression. It also showed that the teens had the greatest risk when they were put on progestion-only methods of birth control, which are implants or certain IUDs. Then, this is the interesting part, they did a follow-up study. If you don't know what that means, it's basically like They do a study and then they kind of let these people go off and do their thing. And then they like meet up back with them. It's kind of like a check in where they're like, oh, let's see how they're doing. Literally the same group, the researchers found that the women taking hormonal birth control had a triple risk of committing suicide. Crazy. (laughs) And some researchers say this is because your nervous system becomes more sensitive to stress because the birth control pill can change how your brain is altered. So like your lateral frontal cortex gets altered. Like it changes, which is crazy to think about. Like I don't want my brain being messed with, especially if you're put on so young. Um, I kind of already talked about this in the last podcast, so I won't rant about it too much. But this area of your brain regulates how you process emotions and how you handle stressful situations. So if that is getting changed, then you might find that things that used to not be so stressful are a lot more stressful. Or if you were put on birth control when you were younger, then these could make situations that you haven't even, A, dealt with in the first place, which can be terrifying in itself, but B, like, might not be as terrifying when you weren't on birth control. So just think about that for a sec. And then loss of sex drive, or this could also be, like, decrease in libido. Um, I probably should have also put a warning on this one again where, like, not medical diagnosis, just general health and fitness new information. Also, like tiny children around probably don't want to listen or put on earbuds. So that's my disclaimer. It was just a little bit later in the podcast. Sorry, um, but it's there. <laughs> um, anyways, loss of sex drive. One survey showed that women on birth control had reported less feelings of arousal, less pleasure, and vaginal dryness. And once they were taken off the pill, it took a little bit of time, but it eventually returned. But that's just like crazy to think about how you might start feeling a little bit numb when you're on birth control. And if you think about it, when you start messing with your hormones that's obviously going to mess with how you feel. I'd already talked about in the last podcast how progesterone and estrogen regulates your mood. It regulates serotonin. It regulates dopamine. It regulates hormones that are neurotransmitters that make you feel calm. Like that is why you might have a loss of sex drive because it is messing with your feelings. I know on Mind Pump, they've talked about a study before. I might try and link it in the show notes, where women who were put on birth control, they then found when they got taken off of birth control, they looked at their partner and was like, I'm not attracted to you, which is like mind-boggling. So There's things going on when you're taking this. Again, not fear-mongering, just information. Next thing is hair loss. Some birth controls, especially the progestion ones, can cause hair loss due to the high androgen index. This is basically, if you don't know what androgens are, they are male hormones. And males tend to go more bald than females do. Like, usually females tend to have a little bit more hair than males do when they get older. But males are more likely to have baldness because the high androgens shrink the hair follicles, make them thin or just make them weak and they lose it, which can then therefore cause hair loss. This is also really common with people who are dealing with PCOS because in PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, they have high androgen levels. Another symptom that can be caused by birth control is weight gain. My, one of my clients was actually experiencing this. She had talked about this before where she just found that she just randomly started gaining weight. And I know there's so many people out there who are just like, I'm just gaining weight and I don't understand why. Or like, I can't lose weight and I don't understand why. It might be because you're on hormonal birth control. Again, messing with hormones here. Last thing, skin issues. I talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, but this is more of a what can happen once you come off the pill. It's kind of like a two for one situation. It increases sebum, which is the oil that your your skin produces. It becomes overactive and then makes you have more breakouts and your body kind of just has to balance out. And this can also be because your androgens become overactive as your ovaries try to like figure out how to deal with their normal hormones again. So it's kind of like dealing with puberty again. Now, if you don't want to take birth control, I have three methods for you that you can use. Some are a little bit more, I guess you could consider it safe if you don't want to get pregnant, than others. The first one, which is the typical one that I feel like people joke about is the pullout method. You really have to trust your partner with this one. Highly recommend using a condom if you wanted to like do this one, but um, the prevention rates are not that high. And I think you could probably understand why. So I would not recommend this one um, if you wanted to use this as a way to not get pregnant. Another one that you could consider is a copper IUD. This does not change your hormones. So this means that it doesn't stop you from ovulating. You can still ovulate. Literally what happens is it blocks the sperm from getting into your uterus and it lets your egg just be implanted. It literally is just kind of like a wall where it's kind of just like you're not allowed to get in or it's... um. I'm trying to think of a better example. It's like a giant castle where you need a key and it's just like, dude, you're not allowed in. No, what's better? I got a better one. Here we go. These analogies are coming out. <laughs> is You got a security guard and it's that big giant security guard and you're trying to get into the nightclub and they're just like, nope, not allowed in. Not allowed in. Can't come in. You're just not on the list. Literally what a copper IUD is like. It lasts for 10 years, so you would put it in, and then after 10 years, you would take it out, and then the failure rate on this is 0.6%, which is kind of crazy to think about because the birth control pill's failure rate is about, is about 0.3% perfect use of the pill. So not that far off if you think about it. The only thing that I would caution is that if you've had previous gonorrhea or chlamydia, you are at risk for pelvic inflammatory disease, also known as PID. So I would highly not recommend this for you. Also, if your copper levels are already high, copper IUDs have been shown to increase your copper levels. So either don't take it or if you do, take zinc. And if you do choose to take a copper IUD you do, I would recommend you take zinc because zinc is a nutrient that balances out copper. And if you have too much copper, this has been shown to affect your mood and other aspects of your health. So just keep that in mind. Now the last one, which is beautiful. It is amazing. Um, I'm like really hyping this up. and It's just like a method of natural birth control. Um, It is called the fertility awareness method, also known as FAM. You know, hey, FAM. Cool. I'm so dorky. It's fine. (laughs) But when you can actually only just get pregnant six out of seven days out of your cycle, which is crazy. The reason for this is because sperm only lasts for five days. So five days before your period, you could get pregnant. Then like ovulation only lasts for about 24 hours, like I explained in the first podcast. And then your egg only stays alive for about one day. So you can only actually in 28 days get pregnant six out of seven days. And most people are taking a pill to not get pregnant for the whole 28 days. Now, this will take some like tracking and awareness for this to work, but it's not as hard as it seems. Basically, what happens when you are ovulating is you can track these three different symptoms, your basal body temperature, your cervical mucus, and your cervix changing. With your basal body temperature, what happens is Before you ovulate, your temperature is around 97 degrees Fahrenheit to like 97.7 degrees Fahrenheit. And Celsius, that would be 36.1 degrees Celsius to 36.5 degrees Celsius. But then after you ovulate, it goes up about 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 0.3 degrees Fahrenheit. Or not Fahrenheit, sorry, Celsius. So what you would want to do is take your temperature right as you wake up. Right as you wake up, don't go to the bathroom. I know a lot of people have to wake up and immediately pee. I'm one of those people. TMI, I know. It's fine. We're already talking about period stuff, so whatever. Go take your temperature with just a basic thermometer. There are more expensive ones called the daisy thermometer. It's a bit Pricey and expensive, a little bit more accurate, but a regular thermometer will also do the trick. Won't be as accurate, but it's a little bit cheaper. And what you want to do is figure out okay, what is my normal temperature, my average normal temperature? And then if I see that my temperature starts to rise, then I know that I have ovulated. And this is because of the increase in progesterone. So I would definitely wait like a few days after you ovulate not to do anything. Also, this might take some consistency on like figuring out exactly when you ovulate and when you don't. But you can use these other symptoms to help know like exactly before you ovulate because it's kind of like it's not as useful to know, oh, I ovulated after, cool, but like I already did my fun things, so that's kind of an issue. This is where cervical mucus comes in. Before you ovulate, you develop cervical mucus, which you might have seen this before on like your toilet paper when you wipe or like in the toilet, this like raw, white, eggy texture, or it might be like clear and stretchy. This is your cervical mucus. Literally, the purpose of this is to help your sperm or not your sperm, help the sperm swim upstream a little bit faster because like, you know, they might have a struggle bus. We need a little bit more support there. And if you see this and you do not want to get pregnant, stay at home. No partying for you, please. <laughs> no no Netflix and chilling, okay? Okay. The next thing which is a little bit hard to test is your cervix changing. And this basically means which I found this fascinating. I didn't know this happened. When you're fertile, your cervix is high. You can, I wish I had a picture. Like this would be the point in the podcast if I had a video or if I was doing YouTube where I'd post up a picture. I actually found one of these to like better understand it myself. Your cervix is higher and softer. So you could like put your finger in there and test the difference, but depending on how comfortable you are with that. And then if you're not fertile, it would be low and firm. Again, not super easy to test, but it works. And the reason why fertility awareness method isn't just like a normal tracking app, I know for myself, I was just like, oh, okay, I'll just like do my normal tracking app. It's like, that's not as helpful because Every period is different. Every period is not 28 days. Every period in your lifetime is not going to be 28 days. And if you are dealing with irregular periods or you're trying to get your period back, this might be or you're dealing with PCOS, it's going to be hard to determine just based off days. But if you have irregular periods, you can use the fertility awareness method because it's based off of symptoms, not days. You got me? You got me. Cool. There was actually a study done with females who were trained in the fertility awareness method where they found a perfect use failure rate was about 0.6%. And again, that's pretty close to the perfect fail rate of the birth control pill, which is 0.3. And the typical fail rate for fertility awareness method was 1.8%. So still not too bad, a little bit high. But I also think it's cool to just do this naturally because it helps you better understand your body more. I know the more that I've dived into understanding my menstrual cycle and my menstrual health and not thinking that it's so taboo of a subject, which honestly, it makes me sad that some people still think that it is or they cringe because it is our body. Our body is something that we should be taking care of. It's literally like our best friend. We should want to understand her. And by understanding how our menstrual cycles work, we can do that. And it's not something that you need to fear. Now, if you have something like irregular periods or light periods or PCOS, this could actually tell you when you ovulate. So I know some people can have really light periods and still ovulate and that's perfectly fine. But I know even when I was getting my period back and I tended to have lighter periods, I didn't know if I had ovulated or not because I wasn't doing the fertility awareness method at this point. But Once you start tracking your temperature, you can notice like, oh, okay, I had a really light period, but I still know that I have the rise and fall of estrogen, the rise and fall of progesterone, because I ovulated. Same thing with irregular periods, same thing with PCOS, because I think I had already mentioned this, but I'm going to say it again, PCOS is when you don't ovulate and when you have high androgen levels or symptoms. Now if you still want to take the pill which is totally okay or if you're like no I'd rather just like take the pill so I don't get pregnant. Totally understandable. I'd recommend a few supplements that the pill does deplete just so that you are supporting your body and when you do decide to come off the pill you're, you might not experience as many symptoms as you would if you weren't taking these things. And one of those nutrients is, is that a word? I don't think it is, but you know, it's in Rebecca's book, so it's fine, is zinc. Because you are taking synthetic estrogen, this can cause your body to hold on to more copper. And if you listen to the last episode, which I highly recommend you do, wink, wink, um, is <laughs> copper is literally like the opposite of zinc. And if you have too high of copper, that can affect your mood and other health-related things. So just don't want your copper to be too high. Zinc can also be anti-inflammatory. It can help regulate your stress response. And your body actually doesn't store zinc. So it's important that you keep supporting your body with zinc as it gets depleted. You can actually find zinc in certain foods. So pumpkin seeds, shellfish, Clams, red meat, but if you want to support your body a little bit more, or you get tested and you find that, like, oh, my zinc is low, highly, highly recommend taking zinc. The other nutrients that the pill depletes is magnesium. Magnesium is kind of, I think, maybe it's just because I'm in the nutrition space, but like, it's kind of getting this like hype of like, take magnesium, yada, 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 calms your nervous system, yeah. That's not wrong. Like it does calm your nervous system and it also does help you sleep. It also improves the function of both insulin and thyroid hormone, which is really, really cool. So you might want to take this if you are on the pill or just honestly in general because our soil is so depleted that even if we are trying to eat foods that have magnesium in it, most people are low. But if you do want to eat more foods that have more magnesium in it, that would be almonds, seeds, fish, and leafy green vegetables. But again, like I had said, our soil is so depleted that you might as well just supplement. But I will say, little caution out there, if you are prone to acne, you might just want to get magnesium from whole foods because if you have too much acne, this can actually promote more acne. Now, if you also have kidney disease or if you just have kidney disease, it doesn't have to be an also, you probably don't want to supplement with magnesium because that can worsen your kidney disease. So, just a little caution out there to that. Also, another caution is check your magnesium. There is a really cheap version out there called magnesium citrate. It is completely fine if you are dealing with like not pooping because it helps you poop. But if you're like, hey, I want to increase my magnesium levels because I'm on the pill, or I just want to be more calm and just help support my body. Go in the magnesium citrate route, you might just end up pooping your pants in the morning. So just a little caution out there. It's more of a laxative than it is like a chill out. There are different forms of magnesium. There's magnesium selenate and magnesium glycinate, and a few other ones that I do not feel like listing because it's quite a long list. But just make sure that you check what magnesium you're taking and that it's actually going to do what you want it to do. I already did a post on Instagram about like supplements you should watch out for or like what you should watch out for in your supplements. This is like kind of another thing in there. Check the back of the bottle because that is actually what it's going to give you. So make sure you do your research. All right. The next and final nutrients is vitamin B6. Vitamin B6 helps reduce perceived stress. It calms your nervous system and it increases your mood. It does this by boosting the levels of neurotransmitters like GABA and serotonin. And you can find these in things like wild caught fish, sweet potatoes, chickens, and bananas. I would recommend taking it in a B-B complex with that contains B6 in it so that you're getting those other B vitamins that may be depleted in or from the pill. But B6 is just a major one for uterine health. Also make sure that it has choline in it because that will help your uterine health as well. So this was a little bit shorter podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure that you send this to a friend or post it on your social media. Take a screenshot and tag me on it. I love seeing people sharing it. It makes me really happy that everyone's listening to the podcast and enjoying it themselves. You can send me a message on Instagram at Becca Wellness or email me at podcast at gmail.com. And again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I can't wait to babble with you next time.